What is up, guys? It's John Nelson, and you are listening to the Starting Block Podcast. You are looking for a show that's going to give you the insight into complete athletic development. You have found the right spot. As always, I'm here with my uh, co-host, Chris Scarborough. What's up? What's up? How are you today? Great. How about yourself? Doing pretty good, man. Pretty good. So we got a uh, we got a good show for you guys today. Uh, before we go into that, though, let's do some housekeeping stuff first. If you're new to the show, welcome. We're glad to uh, have you. Our show works a little different than most podcasts that are out there. We have multiple episodes within the show. So today is one of the episodes that is Q&A. It's where Chris and I are going to take the questions you guys submit to us, and we will tackle them. Those are going to be Anything related to training, performance, rehab, nutrition, kind of anything in the industry, we'll tackle those questions on this episode. The other episode is going to be a guest interview. That's where we bring our colleagues on from across the country, and they're going to share their stories of success and show you how they win with their clients, their patients. And the final episode is going to be, it's pretty much moved to Saturday sermon. It was a Friday fire, in fact, but (laughs) the bottom line is I just got a lot to do on Fridays. And so it's pretty much on Saturday. And that's where you're going to get just 10 to 20 minutes of me unfiltered. And I'm just going to speak what's on my mind at the moment. And that's going to be more business geared, motivational geared. I don't really answer a lot of exercise or rehab-based questions on that show. It's more of me just kind of brain dumping on you. So that's how our show breaks down. We also do have a fee for the show, guys. We ask that you please share it. If you found value in this, if you liked what we had to say, if you liked one of the guests that we had on, if you took something from the show that you can apply to your team, your family, your teammates, you're in the gym, whomever, with your clients, We just ask that you please share the show. That's how we grow. That's how we spread this message. And our whole goal here is to give you the tools to win, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach. And the only way we can continue to do that is if you guys share the show and leave us a review, please. That's how we grow, all right? We really, really, really ask that you please take the five minutes to do that. We take the time out of our day and our week to do this. This takes a lot of time, and it costs a lot of money. This ain't free. We, we pay a lot of money to be able to produce this and put it together and try to give you a good show. So all we ask for is that you share it, and I think that's a pretty fair trade. I don't think that's unreasonable. You got anything you want to add to that, Chris? No, I think that's great. We're uh, slowly growing, but I think we can grow faster, especially, as you said, if people enjoy it. Look, other people are going to enjoy it as well. And uh, by the way, if if you have questions, if we've had a guest on and you have a question that maybe one of these guests have addressed something similar and you want to follow up, please let us know what those questions are, even if they're not for, for, for John or myself. And if they're for a guest, let us know what those questions are because there's a good chance we're going to get that guest back on in the future. So yeah, yeah, please let us know what those are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please send those to us so you can submit it to us. Chris, is, uh, Chris what's your Instagram handle? It is fast and agile 49. Yep. And then you can reach me at, uh, I changed my handle on Instagram. I'm now farmer John underscore ELP farmer John. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. Yes. You, you can reach it there or, you know, elite level performance. Um, 
You know, and remember, guys, we're uh, we're on audio and video, so we're on YouTube as well. So if you want to watch it, we're on YouTube under the Elite Level Performance page. Uh, the playlist is Starting Block Podcast. But yeah, guys, I, I was talking to some of my um, you know online athletes that we have, and you know we've got we got athletes in California, um, Rhode Island, I and mean, we got <clears throat> see we got people all over the place. And one of the things I was telling them is like, if they like the show, share it. Kind of the same thing we talked about here, but also like. W- our show, although we're really new in the big picture, like our content and the guest lineup that we have is arguably one of the top in the industry. I mean, some of the people that we have on the show, they don't do podcasts. They don't they don't come out. They're doing it because we have good relationships, and we're grateful for that. And so that's information that you guys are getting that literally nobody else is able to provide you. And I feel like that's you know, that's some pretty damn good value right there, and all we ask that you share it. So. Absolutely. Share the show, and I'll I'll move on from there. I won't uh, keep harping on it, but if you guys don't share the show, then we're not going to do this shit for free anymore. Um, <laughs> all right. So today is Q and A. So let's get rolling with it, Chris. I think you had a you had a one of your clients had a question for me. Yes, it is. Absolutely. There, uh, I have a uh, a kid. He has a skinny teammate. One of the skinniest kids on his team has the most home runs. Right. He's Fairly strong for his size, but he's not large at all, and he hits bombs. If he's that small, only fairly you know, moderately strong, and this kid is average size for his age and has yet to hit a bomb for the season, how does that happen? How does that work? How can someone small still be able to hit the ball a long way? Okay. <clears throat> so I'm just I'm writing a note or two down so I can break this down. All right, so the smallest kid on the team basically has the most home runs. Yes, and the average uh, the the more average size guy ain't got any. Yeah, right. This this kid the skinny okay. kid's leading the team. Okay, has multiple has many home All runs. Right. You know, five games into the season. Okay, so that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think there's. There's three areas that I would I'd attack that question with. I think there's probably more, but I think this will cover the majority of it. Um, I think one of the areas is going to be simply skill. Okay, athleticism and skill are different. All right, your athleticism. The greater your athleticism is, the you know more opportunity your skill has to develop. That's why. Training in the gym is so important because if your athleticism is low, your you know your skill proficiency doesn't have the ability to quite get as high either. You will be limited at some point. So, one is this individual may just be more skilled at that, you know, at the swing, you know, of the mechanics of that. That's definitely a possibility. The other one, which could kind of break down into, you know, I guess an- answers two and three, or maybe just two A, two B would be the individual's elasticity component slash his ability to turn muscles on and off, right? And what that means is size does not necessarily equal strength, all right? That, that's, that's not necessarily true, okay? Being big does not necessarily make you stronger, but it also doesn't necessarily make you more powerful or athletic either, per se. It's when they did studies back in what the Soviet Union back in whenever that was, we've talked about this before. They showed us that the greatest athletes were not necessarily the strongest athletes. They were the ones that could turn the muscles on and off the fastest. Right. So, 
if you're watching, you know, you'll see that as I do a bicep curl, bicep contracts, my tricep has to lengthen. So muscles go on and off. That's how they work around a joint. And we're gonna we'll kind of go into a tangent with that about about how training influences that. But the faster that, that process happens, the more explosive or powerful you'll become. Is that right? That makes that makes sense, Chris. Like it it does. And you know, to that point, there's obviously a lot of coordination. And we you, you hear the word coordination. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> A lot of power output, yes, is there a strength component? Absolutely. But I think a lot of people out there know people like this kid that we're referring to. They're not the biggest. They're not the strongest, yet they have a strong arm. We'll use the the quote-unquote strong arm, and yet they don't have a strong arm necessarily. Or they they can hit the ball a long way in this this case. Or... Maybe they run fast, whatever the case may be. So a lot of this coordination is really, I'm going to call it strength multiplied. They can coordinate one joint with the next better than a lot of other people mm-hmm. who might have better weight room numbers. So they end right. up displaying better power on the field, on the court, on the baseball diamond, wherever you may be. They can jump higher, they can hit further, even though they don't look the part. So right. it's a it's the ability to coordinate one joint with the next joint with the next joint and so on and so forth, mm-hmm. um, turning the muscles on and off at the appropriate time, and it's you end up seeing a display that is greater than the appearance of what should be, and perhaps mm-hmm. that is something that the average or even larger kid maybe they can't display it quite as well. And so as a result, they, you know, and I'm not saying that they underperform. Perhaps they are underperforming relative to what they look like they should be performing at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, so you're, you're, yeah, you're, we're saying the same thing. Right. I'm just saying it more in the general sense and you're, you're giving the, the specifics of it, which I kind of feel like as we keep doing this show, that's kind of the, the route that it goes. I always give the, the very basic answer and you kind of dig into the details with it, the scientific side, but you know, yeah, we're, we're saying the same thing. And so I'm, I'm thinking of, I've got, I'm thinking of a situation right now. I've got a, I, I've got a high school kid right now who I think right now he's projected to go in the first round at a, at a high school possibly. Nice. And obviously that's very subjective, but you know, um, there's a lot of things that can happen. I won't use the kid's name or anything like that. Now, does he, does he look the part? Yeah, absolutely. He does look the part, of course. And I don't know how old your kid is, Chris. I mean, this guy's a, you know, a senior, but so he definitely looks the part. Sure. But he looks the part from a display of athleticism, not necessarily size component, right? It's, he's not the biggest guy, but he, you know, he's built, he's six, four, you know, whatever, like one ninety five something like that. So, I mean, he, he looks like a you know, a D1 or, or pro type of guy. But when you get him in the weight room, he is not the strongest, not even close. And it doesn't, doesn't have to be, right? You, you don't have to have that quality. Is he, quote, unquote, strong enough? Yes. But what you see out of him is he can do all the basics. Like, all the basics are able to be done, meaning there's just this general athleticism, which is what I was trying to get to earlier. Like, there's a component of just being able to move and function. That 
plays a much, much, much ha- has much more impact than how big somebody is or how small somebody is. So you've got that component, but also the other side of it would be processing. Like there could there could simply be the fact that this kid who's the smaller one on the team with the most home runs, he also is just able to process the information quicker. I, I think we have to take that into an account too. You know, like it could be something is, I mean, sim- I say it's simple, but it could be something as simple as just his ability to visually process and transfer that, you know, into his bat speed and exit view of, right? right? Like you have to look at the way that people process information and you really have three main modalities there. You have visual, meaning like you see things and you're able to learn and process. That's like 80% of the population. Then you have auditory and auditory people hear things and that's how they process that's about you know 10 to 15 percent of the population and then you have the kinesthetic learners which are less than five percent and i'm a, I'm a very kinesthetic learner so kinesthetic learner you have to do things by feel same right? like same. that yeah that's why i think a lot of coaches that, are that's why like people that, that yeah yeah, yeah. That's why, you know, a lot of people might listen to me. And if you're, or, or if you're watching, like I tend to look down a lot. I can't just look at the camera because that's how I process. I have to feel it. And so, you know, depending on how this individual processes information, your dominant modality may, may be auditory. You know, you, you might be an auditory person with, you know, that's your 80% dominant processing modality, but it may be, you know, you may have a little bit of visual trait in you, which is why you're probably a decent high school baseball player. You know, I'm 100% kinesthetic, like 100%. I can't read and retain anything. I can't listen to and retain anything. And it drives it drives everybody that knows me crazy, probably including you, Chris. Well, <laughs> because you'll, you'll tell me something and I don't, I don't remember it at all. Like, it's just not. But that's also why I was not – I wasn't a great baseball player either because once I got into the high school level, I, I – legitimately could not see it like I just could not process that information fast enough the ball comes so fast my brain just doesn't work that way you know I have to feel it so I don't I, I don't think we can discount right that. and and let's let's once again let's put that into a practical perspective you process what you see quicker you make better contact with the ball with the bat <laughs> so let's face it I don't care how fast you swing that bat if you miss hit it, you don't you hit it off the the tip of the bat, or you hit it above it, or hit below it, uh, or swing and miss altogether. You know the ball's not going anywhere. If if someone who even doesn't have the 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 bat speed, but yet they hit it solidly every time, ball's so, still going to go further. And that person who can visually process better has a better opportunity of of making better contact. You know more of the bat hitting more of the ball. And if their swing path is correct, then then maybe it, maybe they're not even swinging the bat that hard. They might just be making simply better contact. Again, it, assuming that this person visually processes things better as well, which very well could be the case. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, There's another another error. Oh, I know what I wanted to say when we talked about. You know, going back to like turning muscles on and off and, you know, the display of power and all that, you know, understand that, understand that you have two basic 
systems to a degree. You have the frictional and you have the elastic component. And the frictional is, frictional component is going to be more muscular, right? And like we like Chris said and like we said, strength is important. Don't get me wrong, okay? But there's an over-reliance on strength in our industry. So, and I think with strength comes size, so to speak. People put the two and two together. So, you have that, but then you have the other component, which is that elastic. That's your pop. That's the you know, the, the spring that you see. And a lot of that is going to be based in your connective tissue. And you can think of that like your fascia, which is like the spider web that holds your body together. Okay. I prefer to see that side developed a whole lot more than the muscular side. If the guy that's a little bit more springy is probably going to win the majority of the time. So just because this kid is small, he may actually be very elastic as well, meaning he's just kind of got that pop, that spring to him. And that's important in the swing because as you process the information, it's, again, turning on and off. And you have to generate that force, not necessarily through the muscles as much as is the energy and these connective tissues kind of contracting, releasing, while the muscles are actually prov- are serving as more of just the stabilizer. Right. So in summary there, muscle serve is more of a stabilizer rather than they do as the huge power drivers that we tend to think that they are. And so, again, I'll go, does Absolutely. that make sense? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> again, I'm kinesthetic, so does that make sense to somebody who's not? It, I, I believe <laughs> it does. Yeah, it's just, co- once again, comes down to how can you coordinate things? Can you multiply you know, w- one, joint, uh, one joint in your body, one joint's output, to the next, to the next, to the next, until eventually you make contact with a ball, and that mm-hmm. small person is generating lots of power, perhaps. Um, um, mm-hmm. And it, it's just a matter of, you know, one joint stops. The next one has all this elastic stored energy, as you're referring to, from the output from the previous joint or joint action. And then basically it's still, it's just like coiled and then uncoiled. And it's just like letting us, you know, like like winding up a, rubber band really tight and letting it go and just just you know and, and just it just let it go and then next thing you know all this power so and if you can control that and make good contact with a ball boy there's uh yeah don't have to be particularly large and so what what were what are some other things about this this guy that asked the question i, I mean was it this is one of your somebody yes. you know right or is this was this a uh, just somebody yes heard online Yes, someone. Yes. Okay. Somebody. Someone you, somebody I know. You, yes. Okay. What What are some other qualities about about the the kid? Like what? Um, I mean, mental state, like skill level. Like, I mean, is the kid pretty smart? Like, what? Can you tell me yeah. a little more about? Yeah. It, yes. I mean, Not, yeah. High level of intelligence, and yes, very smart, very um, actually powerful, uh, but not necessarily. Um, you know, I, as far as coordination, base you know, swinging a baseball bat, never seen it, so I don't know. Now, uh, I've seen him rotate, and he's got good strength in rotation, good power in rotation. Um, but that's really you know the the most I've seen in my environment with this person. So, okay. Okay. And, you know, and, and so, you know, bro, if you're listening to this show, like, I don't know anything about you. All right. And so I'm just assuming you're just, you're probably like any of the other high school, you know, baseball guys we've worked with, you know, over the years. Um, you know, that's kind of our big niche up here in the Mid-South. Um, 
you know, but let's look at it a little bit from a skill perspective as well. And I said, you, you may be a very solid hitter, man. I, I, I don't know. Um, but there's definitely a mental component to that as well. Right. And one of the greatest hitting coaches that nobody knows about lives in our area. And that is Bill Selby. Bill Selby is the only person to ever hit a walk-off grand slam off Mariano Rivera. Mariano Rivera is the greatest closing pitcher of all time. All right. Yes. I think there there have been more men to walk on the moon than Rivera's ERA. <laughs> we can discuss walking on the moon a different time. That's not for this <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so you know, if you play baseball, you know Mariano Rivera's. All right. Now, Bill Selby is the best hitting coach that nobody knows about. And he, he lives around here and he works as one of the top JUCO programs in the country. Now, I bring him up because I've worked with Bill on and off for a long time. I work with his son. Um, his son is going to be – he transferred back down um, to this area. He's playing down at this JUCO program as well. And his son's going to be an excellent hitter as well. And one of the things that – Bill and I have talked about over the years, both professionally and both as me as a parent, because I brought my stepdaughter to work with him. So I've seen it from two different angles. And one of them is stop trying to make your hitting so complex. All right. One of the best books you could read out there is Hitting Biomechanics by a a guy by the name of Bob Keys. Um, I think it's right. I got it sitting right here on my desk. Um, Yeah, Keys. That dude is a genius as well, but his book is very technical, but the the concepts are simple, if that makes sense. And it's, I would tell you, if you're needing, if you're trying to improve your swing, yes, there are technical things that you need to pay attention to, but also let your athleticism take over for you. So if you do have good athleticism, just let it, let it take over. Stop trying to process so much, you know, and I'm not going to try to play hitting coach. I can just give you the basics. Let your athleticism take over for you, and you will be shocked at how much that will help you. A lot of times, if you're real smart, your brain is going to get in the way, all right? Your brain's going to get in the way. Let your athleticism do it. Just go in the cage and just start ripping them, man. Just hitting them, just full effort, just hard as you can. Just putting the ball where you want it, hard as you can. One step at a time with that. Don't don't overcomplicate things is what I'm trying to say. But like I said, I, I don't want to give you bad advice. I'm more of the strength, speed, rehab guy. I'm not the hitting coach, but I can just tell you those were some of the lessons that Bill Selby taught us over the years. And uh, yeah, the guy, the guy, uh, the guy knows how. Nice, to do it. <laughs> nice. So yeah, so I think that uh, I think that answers that question. Is anything else we can? I think add that's to that? probably going to answer it. Uh, that's. Uh... We probably gave him more than he wanted to know. So there you go. In there, hopefully in the, yes, there you go. Absolutely. Over deliver. All right, cool. Um, Question number two. It's kind of a statement. I don't have like the actual question because, but it was asked to me this week, and I thought it was very relevant um, for the show and very relevant as for us as coaches, uh, whether you're an athlete listening to this or a coach, and. The question basically is, how do you reach somebody who is, how do you reach somebody and help somebody learn to be able to take their body to failure? And basically the scenario being, there's more in the tank, but 
there's this block there that can't get to that level in competition. How do you approach that in the gym? Whew, good question. <laughs> um, all right, well, that's uh, so much of that, you know, pushing yourself to the limit. Well, that's going to be a different answer for, say, a a power lifter who's truly looking for a one rep max and is going to max out in less than 10 seconds or a hundred meter sprinter who's going to max out in less than 10 seconds versus say a 800 meter runner who is has got to try to their max is over a given distance it's not any one particular point in the race um versus more is their max more of an accuracy thing so in other words going back to our baseball swing if 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 the answer lies in more of the of the more of the hey just let the swing go then you know maybe that person just needs to let go and there's their max is there is their max a you know maxing out or, or going to failure so to speak on a one rep max well Power power lifters are used to doing that, you know, fairly frequently. Um, but they all, failure is a <laughs> you know when you've hit failure very quickly, and and hopefully you have spotters around you that can kind of help you uh, overcome if you do fail uh, on a particular lift. So I guess I need context. Um, of Con the sport context that, is context is. This is this is a swimmer who has more in the tank, but just cannot seem to get over that hump at whatever part of the race that is. I, I don't I don't know. I don't recall. Um, it, it, somebody mm -hmm. I haven't even met yet. It was a, actually a question from a parent. And I just I thought it was very relevant. I know I, I answered it from the okay. mental side of it. Um, you know, and kind of my 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 thoughts on that. So, um, you know. I think they were just asking how we help with the mental component of somebody who can't seem to just let themselves go and and trust the body, knowing that, like, look, it's okay. Like, actually, I seem to remember, yeah, they said, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, it, it's okay if you reach failure in the pool because you're not going right. to drown in it. Right. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, that provides that, some right. context. Does that, it does. that help okay. a little so more this there? Is, this is – you know, the, again, the mental side, yes, absolutely. You got to be willing to push yourself. I mean, there's, uh, you know, and how you get there, you know, that that's going to probably go back a lot to the Jay Schroeder interview that we had. In that, what is your end? I mean, there, there is, <laughs> there. What is your end? You've got to find that, and you, you know, and nobody can tell you what that is. That's something that you have to discover for yourself, and that is sort of your picture for almost any type of training whether you're in the pool or in the gym or whatever it's you know there the end <laughs> your end vision go back and listen to the jay schroeder interview yeah. um and, and and he can describe it better than the in than the short period of time we have here so and i'm going to interrupt you because i i think what i have to say i don't is, is relevant to where you're going is you have to have that in picture and 
I bet if you ask somebody, what is the end picture for you? Oh, it's it's to you know swim in college. No, no, it's not. That's not your end picture. That that's what your parents want you to think. That that what do you see? And I think that plays a huge role because you see it all the time with younger kids is they simply regurgitate what their parents are telling them. They don't actually have the image in their head. Yeah, absolutely. That is true. So if that, once again, I mean, go back and listen to that interview. I think that you could, I, I want to say it's probably like episode five, six, seven, somewhere in there. It was early. It was one of our earlier podcasts. But uh, you can certainly get a better idea of what that end picture is, um, which I think that would be a driver for any aspect, anything you're training for. Uh, secondly, if you want to get purely in the 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 physical part of pipes, if you will, just it might be easier um, to and, and again, this is coming. I, I want to interrupt myself for a moment. This is coming from a very fast twitch dominant. 60 meter, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm, I was, I was more like a firecracker than I was like a, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm much more short distance than I am uh, long distance in, in the sense that I'm very fast twitch dominant. The, um, it might be easier for them physically to push to failure on a shorter distance swim. So go make your max or your failure point your speed rather than your endurance. That might be easier to find. Okay? So, for example, go as hard as you can for 25 meters in a pool and go absolutely as fast as you can. And if you're using an auto-regulatory measurement system, keep doing those 25-meter reps until you begin to slow down. Uh, you'll start. You'll probably speed up. You know, rep two, rep three, rep four, and then start slowing down as you go. Go shorter. Okay. So for for somebody who for a listener who doesn't understand what auto regulatory training is, basically, guys, it's taking a percent of your best time and then continuing to repeat it until right. you know you reach failure. So you could say like for speed work, it's going to be you know two to three percent right. roughly. So like let's say your best time was you know. You know, five seconds, add three percent. So take three percent of that, add it to that five, and let's just say it's five point three. I'm not, I'm not good at math. Clearly, I'm good with money. I'm not good with math though. Um, and you continue to do those, you know, your sets until you hit that five point three or go over. That's what right. You, you continue to do your is. repetitions. You you take whatever recovery period between your repetitions, and yes, you continue to do repetitions until you can no longer reach a certain percentage of your best. You know, it, it may be, um, you know, like you said, it could be a 5% fatigue, as we'll call it. You know, 5% fatigue, you would actually increase, your 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 fastest swim would be slower than your, you know, your, your fastest swim. <laughs> Wait a minute, let me start over. <laughs> your fastest, your, once you can no longer hit a certain percentage of your fastest swim, that's where you stop. So once again, if your best in a given distance is five seconds, once you can no longer hit, say, 5.2 or 5.1 or whatever, that you're done. That's it. Workout's done. So once again, now that I've confused myself and I'm sure some of our audience enough, yeah. once you can no longer get a certain well, point yeah. 
Because there's multiple ways yes. to actually do auto-regulated training. That's usually the yes. easiest yes. way I explain it. Yeah, yeah, but but so that's a, that's a good way. A, that's how you train. Like you know, that, that's a way to condition, yes. right, and way to do speed work. And, and honestly, in our gym, that's one of the ways that we do it. Like for people that need conditioning, I'll just I'll give you a drop off. I'll give you an auto-regulated drop off, and just like I'm not sitting here watching you run sprints. Like we're not going to do that. You know, uh, you go do that on your own. I'll give you the information. You do it on your own. You know, and I'll, that's how you do it. You know, go go do it. And here's how the rest and all that works. But the point of that is, is A, that's a good way to train. But B, it's also a good way yes. to build the confidence up too, right? Because, like, you could see your you see your progression. You know kind of where you are. And so you can kind of right. build the confidence so up So it's, it's pretty easy to go to failure, uh, not failure in the sense that you drown, as you said, but failure in the sense as you can no longer maintain that pace. Workout is done. That should yeah. improve the next session out. You should – so – if you if you swam that distance in five seconds today, it should be four point nine five next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, mean, I think from the training side of it, I think that's that's one way you can combat that and yes. try to and get over that hump. I, I think you know that, that's a that's a great response. There's definitely the mental side of it as well, uh, which you know we we talk about a little in these episodes. I kind of dig into that a little more on the. Friday, Saturday episodes, but you know, I, I do think that's a, a, the mental side of it is a huge component. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, sociopolitical based factors um, that are going on in our world that quite frankly, I don't think that you and I had to deal with, you know, as an athlete. And I think it presents a new challenge to not only the athlete, but coaches. Like we have to understand that there's an expectation of perfection amongst the youth this day and age and that was not present when we played ball but it is now because everything is college-based everything has to be you it's got to be perfect or if it's not you're going to get cut or yelled at or you're not going to be able to play for the premier team around which everybody has to do and we I think as coaches we really need to take that into account because it leads to a lot of young athletes not wanting to push themselves to failure in the gym or in the pool or on the track or wherever because they're afraid to fail. They don't know how to fail, you know? And I just I think that's something that we really need to take into account because it's definitely a new right. paradigm in our industry. Yeah, no doubt. So, yeah. So, all right, guys, those were uh, those are two good questions. Uh, I think – is there anything else you want to add? Uh, I think that's one of those, pretty Chris? much it. It's It's – Without knowing context, I mean, we can only give you the best advice based on what little bit we have at this point. So once again, I, th- I think almost everything that we've gone over, whether it be, you know, hitting power, or whether it be the swimming pool. Yes, there's absolutely a physical component. There's an intellectual component. There's that psychological, emotional, spiritual component. And the answer to any of these questions could lie in any one of these five and most likely all five of these categories, the answer lies in all five of them, not any one of them. So without knowing a lot of specifics, mm-hmm. um, clearly we're giving the best answers we can with limited information. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So those are good questions, guys. Keep them coming. Again, remember the fee, guys. If you uh, if you like the show, 
Share the show. Share it, share it, share it, share the show. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. See you, Chris.